Well, welcome back to x Factor Reopen Podcast. I'm hanging out with Brenton Hall, and I'm excited about this one because it, uh, how old are you? I'm 20 now. 20 years old. Yes, sir. And what I've noticed about your heading, um, and probably everyone else has as well, but it's, you've you've been able to win. Yeah. You win a lot at a young age and, and almost just be a winner. It reminds me like a... Wesley Thorpe with a head rope. And <laughs> Shoot, you throw Wesley Thorpe with a head rope, I'll be ducking out of the way trying to get away from him. Oh, man. Uh, why do you think that is? Why do you think you've, you know, kind of growing up, or was was there a spot where you're like, man, this is, uh, I mean, getting into it, when did you, like, start to get confident and notice you were getting some of the big wins or wasn't really afraid of the big moments? I, uh, I really don't know because when I first started going to the ropings and heading, I had that paint horse, and we were just roping. I was just having a good time roping. And it seemed like everywhere I went, I won. And it seemed like every three or four months, they'd call me and raise me another half number or whatever. And then I think I was just having a good time in roping. And then the next thing I knew, it turned into something big, and I realized that I, I really enjoyed it and wanted to pursue it. So I, I can't tell you the exact time where it started feeling like I was starting to get in the big moments and hitting some big wins, but it dang sure happened fast. Right. What about your background roping? Uh, do you have a – were you kind of in a team roping family, or how did you kind of grow up roping? Yeah, like a, I've, I come from a – like a, I would say more of a cattle family. Like the, we all rope a little bit, but nobody was per se just hands down roping was the only thing they did besides like – besides my grandpa and my dad, they both did it. But like outside of that, nobody was really just hands-on, full-on rodeo roping. But my dad roped a lot. My mom run barrels when they were growing up, and uh, my dad pursued it a little bit. He rodeoed. He did the IPRA rodeos. He made the finals, I think, 10 or 11 times. And then he ended up he ended up steer tripping through the pro rodeos. So I, I grew up in kind of a rodeo family. And uh, you kind of got your start right into heading, or were you? No, no. I uh, The first thing I ever roped was I was healing, and I healed for Kevin Daniels. I think I was seven or eight years old, the first thing I ever roped or chased. And then I went right into calf roping. I roped calves until I was probably 15 or 16. I didn't really rope steers at all. I would heal at the rodeos just like the junior rodeos. When you show up, you know, you just jump on a horse and heal. I didn't practice it or anything. I predominantly just roped calves. And until uh, I got the paint horse, I got the paint horse, and I think I was in seventh or eighth grade. And I was actually, I bought him to heal on. And then my partner, who I was uh, roping with at the time in the junior rodeos, he got hurt. He broke his arm, I think, and I had to start heading for a kid, and it just turned out the paint. I knew I could head on the paint, but I didn't know I was going to get along so good with him, and it just kind of took off. So do you think that paint, I mean, you've had that son of a gun for a long time. I've had him, man. And uh, do you think that's got a lot to do with it and just yeah. how he works and what he allows you to do? What do you think makes him so special as far as – he's? I mean, that horse is a winner, right? Yeah, I, I feel like he's a winner. I don't know if I'm a winner, but I feel like every time I ride him, we win something. Like, if my back's against the wall and I've got to win something, I can get on him and I can count on him in about any situation. He's not perfect, per se, in any situation. He just scores, runs medium speed, turns off, and faces good. But I think it's so simple that once times are getting hard, I can go get on him and just simple, make it soft and easy and go right back to it. Right. I I think that, like, a lot of headers fall in love with these horses. That, like, oh, man, this horse can just dirty run. Yeah. He doesn't really score that good. Yeah. Or he might get too strong on the horn. And those horses, 
they almost cost them money sometimes, or even like yeah. in a five-header, that horse might move and they're late, mm-hmm. and that, that was a steer that they couldn't yeah. do it on and yeah. takes them out of the rope. And they're like, I noticed the paint, and, and how you head in general is it's just like, you can go make the run, and if you need to speed it up, he's nice and flat, and you can yeah. score good. And if you got to give it to one, you can. If you draw good, he's you know he doesn't take it away. Yeah. Do you think that's got a lot to do with like that horse? Oh, yeah. is, he just is a winner by the sense of he just isn't in your way. No, he stays out of your way. He keeps his head down. He runs flat. If you don't kick him, he don't run. If you kick him, he runs. Like I've and some people have mounted out on him, and I'm. Bless, bless their hearts for riding him. He looks terrible when everybody else rides him. I feel bad for him because they think he's easy, and he really is easy to me, but I think it's just because I've rode him for so long that I know him like the back of my hand. But I, I'm a big fan in a horse that can run and doesn't do anything special. As long as they can run, face, and score good, they got to score good. If they can score good and just run medium speed, I feel like if they're easy enough to rope on, you can get by on them at the opens. They're not going to be the greatest ones, but the ones that score good will let you win. Right. Man, I, I totally agree. Uh, I rode a pretty young bay horse last year and a half or so. Yeah. That's what I noticed about him is I don't think he's my fastest horse. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't think he's got the best move or the best finish, yeah. but he's scores. I usually get out of the barrier or I break the barrier, but he doesn't break yeah. it. <laughs> he scores. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he scores good. Uh, but I've noticed, man, I've had a lot of the winds have improved on him. I get yeah. bigger winds and I also, I, I catch more cattle on yeah. him than I have and I think a lot of that, a lot of that is what I'm finding in head horses. I like that, you know. He's just never in my way. Yeah, as long as they stay out of your way, man. I think a guy can win a lot of money on him. Marty, which is Clay Smith's horse, man. He scores good, keeps his head down, and runs flat every time and turns off and faces. Like he don't do like that horse is special. He is special, but if you watch him, like he's not the guy that gets on his butt and really drags his leg and comes straight back. Like Clay just sticks on him, rolls him out, and he faces good every time. Like. I don't think a guy needs to have the ones that are flashy to win on at the rodeos anyway. I'm horse show all the way, yeah. Like, right. Yeah, they need them to be flashy. But rodeo-wise and jackpot-wise in general, just one that's forgiving and will run to the cow and score is so, so awesome. Just not take it away. Yes. Yeah. I think that's when you know you've got a great horse mm-hmm. is when you can get six to ten runs in at a roping and you get the same trip. They yeah. get the same score, the same amount of run. And that's where really the headers can kind of separate themselves. And you see that I think the great headers, like what you're doing now, is you know you can you can get ahead of the roping or yeah. stay you know get back into the roping yeah. if you've got through the first couple go rounds, and it, it makes it it's really impressive. Yeah. All right, so how did you avoid the trap of? <laughs> it seems like a lot of kids that heal and they go to heading, they break their rope over really well. And you're, you've obviously handled the rope a lot um, yeah. and can really control it, but it seems like almost every kid I've ever seen has this deal where they can reach great, which you could at. I mean, I don't. There. When did you play? When the, did you win the finale, the 15 finale World Series finale? Yes, sir. Yeah, uh, 2016, I think I won it. Maybe. So you're 17 years old. Yeah. And and at that point in time, you could just give it to them. I mean, it was like it didn't really matter. You could go one to two coils, yeah. three if needed. But like, I remember the short round round over there, and it's just like, and <laughs> it, it, you know, you're just so ropey. But a, a lot of kids are ropey like that. You know, you see yes, kids that can really like, especially when the score short, like at the amateur rodeos, mm-hmm. and can light them up, which you did at, at you know at a young age, yeah. right? You you had a lot of success yeah. at the amateur Amateurs rodeos. Amateurs were good for me, yeah. And could just turn them straight back. But to take the next step, 
Why do you think you didn't get caught in that uh, that trap of, or is that something you've learned over the last year or so? Uh, you know, be, between being able to just reach really well, but also know how to to kind of set the runs up a little bit more for like the pro rodeos and the open jackpots. Yeah, cross? I think I think that's the scariest jump a guy can take is from being in your comfort zone. Like my comfort zone was so high at being like, okay, we're going to see point around the end of the gate right here, and we're going to turn him as soon as the neck rope pops, and we're going to be, you know, 3-9 to 4-5 right here at this rodeo every time, to running to the pro rodeos, and you're sitting there at Reno, and they're like, hey, you need to see at least full shoulder around to, you know, maybe mid-rib to get out around, you know, or hip to the pin, or whatever you need to see. But they're going to be out there, and they're going to be running. Like, the amateurs, the steers were slow, and you would just throw a big loop and try to cover because they would probably been there for two or three years, and they were trashy. Right. And these, and then you go to the pros, and they're running, and they're big and strong, and you got to be able to rope them and get ahead of them. I think, what, I think what saved me so much there was I had the paint horse, the amateur on. And he got hurt. I needed one, and I ended up getting lucky, and I got the bay horse. And the bay horse was just what I needed at the time. He, I taught him how to turn back a little too much, but he also taught me how to run to the cow and make a five-second flat run down there. You know, try to be five flat on three steers, or if the steer's good, you know, be four, five, four, six, placing the round, or five, 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 six. But I think he helped me learn how to ride across the line and get to the steer and be a cool back and be the same time as if I would have been back home at the amateur rodeos, throwing it as soon as the gate's not as just sloppy and not as fast. I think that's what helped me was the bay horse was so much more in tune to running to the steer. And then it helped me on top of that. I learned how to do it a little more on the paint because I had the bay to ride. So it helped me. Like I gave the paint a break. It just, I think it just was in God's grace that it happened that way. But Right. You just kind of had two horses like that really so were good. almost on the, not the opposite ends, but like yeah. they could do, they did exactly what the other one didn't do. Yeah. And so you had to learn how to ride them both ways. And then what I think is important is it means you can take it how you ride in that bay to the paint a little yeah, bit. And try to transfer that, yeah. and that's what I, I think that's what helped me so much. But I really do. I think the bay horse, and the bay horse was cheaty sometimes. Like he would give me, but I learned through him how to ride to the steer a little bit more and make the better runs down the arena further than, for say, I would have been back home with the amateurs just going over the chutes. Right. And my horse keeps working. Like, if you can make that run, your horse is going to work the whole way. Clay, Clay Tryon does it so good. He yeah. runs his every time. You know? Yeah, he's unreal. I, yeah. Don't, I, don't even, I, don't I don't even know. I don't know the category for that. Yeah, the way he can get a horse to run is it's incredible. Is he the best header all time? He's right there. He is right there, man. Because to be to be sticking around as long as he has, I'm not saying he's old by any means, but just to adapt his roping as it's changed. And he's still, I'm telling you, this summer, he. I still think he headed better than anybody alive this whole year. Like, and I know he's not number one in the world right now, but I think that guy is unreal. Yeah, he turned a lot of steers this year, and honestly, he wrote better this year. I I asked him that, and he said he he I don't he didn't think he was roping any better. Yeah, but I was like, man, do you think you're roping better? And he yeah, it seemed like everywhere we went, I would just look up and there'd be four flat, you know, and like my God, everybody else would be in four eight, and you're like, how's he doing it? He's just nailing the barrier and turning them right now. Right. So man, this is um, was this your second year of going to the rodeos full time? Yeah, yeah, full time for sure. Like, and yeah, I, my first year, which would have been last year, I didn't get off my permit until Logandale. I and me and Chase got to go everywhere all winter, and I couldn't turn them. And if I turned them, I must not handle them very good because he don't hardly ever miss, and we weren't catching. Right. So, 
Uh, yeah, this has been my second. My really only full year, but been my second year for sure. So we did some video on with you the other day, and that was one of the questions we were talking about was setting the run up. Yeah. And that was something that you talked about was being able to give your healer consistent looks. Yes, sir. Yeah. And what do you what do you think's been the biggest difference between how you're handling steers uh, from the first year and a half or so of pro rodeo into to this last year? Yeah, I I think I think I was really kamikaze the first year. I, my guy had a lot of weird looks. And we did good. Like, we did really good over the 4th of July. That was the rodeos that I excelled at at the time. Like, the rodeos where you had to see a little bit, but you threw it, like, right now. Because, I mean, there's so many teams going at them, paying eight monies, that I excelled at those. But at the same time, my guy was getting a different look every time I turned one there. And I think what I realized from that was at the end of the year, I really needed to win at Puyallup. And the first round at Puyallup, pretty soft like I needed to just catch this steer not you know not necessarily just catch but be five one five two and that wasn't a terribly hard setup to be that and my bay horse as soon as I roped he comes straight back and I lost my rope in the first round and I realized through that I think that you know you got to be able to ride your horse a little different and I worked on it all last winter why you know like Chase got Chase made the finals which was awesome he got to go and I got to stay home and work on stuff I think it was the best thing for me not to make the finals the first year it's because I learned a lot more about myself and how to how to actually win. Right. So being able to just, I mean, because it's got to hurt. Because mm-hmm. you were close enough. And, yeah. And, and you had to do it really the hard way to make the finals off of a yeah. permit, starting at Logandale. Yeah. Going, I mean, you, you had to win. I needed, I needed to win every time. I, I When I got to Reno, I had two grand won. And I think this year I had like 19 or 20. So it was a big difference. Right. And I think that's that's the what's fun to watch and I think it um, it translates to jackpotting as well which I think is really important to, mm-hmm. to being able to rope for a living is it seems like like we'll go back to Clay Tryon he's got this run that he's making at the rodeos and it's dang similar to his jackpot run it's really similar it, it's the only thing only thing difference is <laughs> literally just the rodeo name like I'm telling you it's the same jackpot run he makes it looks just similar I, you very rarely see him throw a coil or two you know I mean, a cool back's about his normal shot. Like, two cools back, you very rarely see him throw it. He's got the horses running, like, wide open running and sticking. It's incredible for me to watch that. Like, I think the guy needs to pick up on that. And so that's been something that, you you know, giving you guys the same look to to do that, what do you think has been the biggest the biggest thing that's helped you with that to, to kind of give your, your healer that consistent shot? I think it was just riding to the same spot, like, and I learned, I think it's just rodeo smarts. You learn stuff like, uh, you learn that when somebody yells broke it, don't turn your horse straight back. When somebody yells broke it and you got a horse that wants to be a little cheaty, kick him up in there, turn your guy similar steer, let your guy get some confidence too, let him heal one and get his rhythm back, come back the next round and try to go at one, you know, or go on to the next rodeo per se. But I think a lot of that was just learning how to ride my horse through his throat, like through my throat. When I threw the times before, I would just take a big one send it down their back, and they would cover, and I would just come straight horn and turn them back. And I learned a little bit more how to stay square in the saddle. I took my, I don't know if it helped anybody, but I took my stirrups up two or three holes. Like, I mean, I ride them. I don't know how much taller I am than, like, Payton, per se. Right. And I know you all have done some film with him, but we ride the exact same stirrups. And like, I ride stirrups really short, but I, I think it helped me because I would get to stand up and lean in the saddle and, when I learned how to stay square in my saddle and ride my horse through my throw, everything started setting up easier. I could 
handle the steer. Like when I got a hold of the horns, I got it through the horn. I could handle everything. My guy was getting the same look every time around the corner. I think that's. I mean, that's what I noticed watching you guys make the run. Is yeah. uh, it? You could still go at it just as hard. Yeah. But when your healer has the same look, it might take a. It might feel like it's slower, but I think it's faster. It, you know, you get better finishes. That I mean, the steer's feet come together. You know, it just everything yeah. seems it's so much simpler. Like it, it might seem slower to you when you do it. Yeah. But then everything else speeds it's up. So much faster in the end. Like I think where I would feel like I'd made a great run, and I and I see guys doing it now, and I, it's crazy to me because like I didn't realize I was that guy, but I see guys doing it now where they'll reach stick comes straight back like they'll face and man they're in the left corner like they've done it so fast and they're probably four eight four nine and like if you can learn to get that start and have it on them right there cool back to half cool back like i mean running to the steer wide open sticking and pushing like i I, it's it's up and out it's up and out if you can go up one stride and out at the same time as you're pulling your slack and you turn them off right there all you got to do is roll them out just point your horse towards the left fence because that steer if you'll hold him for a second as he's coming, then you just take off with him because he's going to have rhythm. Your guy just follows that spot, first hop hits, wham. I mean, they heal him, like, especially if you got a good healer. They're going to heal 85 to 90% of them. I agree, man. That was one thing, like, um, we did a lot. as We kind of did a lot of filming with headers. Yeah. See it, like, Charlie Crawford's great at it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Larry D. Guy actually shows it really well. Some yeah. I was actually really impressed with her, but the up-and-out motion um, – what it does, and you watch watch for it on videos when you when you kind of get looking for it, but it creates the momentum of the steer. Like you're using his momentum for yeah. him, and then you're able to put his feet together. So it's like when you when you do that, as opposed yeah. to like letting your horse lean on your left leg as you're throwing mm-hmm. and kind of fall back out of like to the left corner. Yeah. It just creates this big dead space in the run. Yeah. And that's uh, I mean, it's been a I think it's a cool thing because it's like guys that just. Those great horsemen, they, yeah. you know, that's how they win, and it's it's fun to see it because they, yeah, hey, the runs fast, and then it's no, easier yeah. to make. And that's, that's why they do so good, like jackpot, and you can do so good. They give the guy the same look. I don't think, and I used to think a guy needed to break a steer down and really slow him down. And I've got to where, like heading for chase, I don't feel like a guy needs to really break a steer down. If they'll get up and out and actually have the steer head and have the, if you can have the steer's head, it don't matter how fast they're going. But for the guys that are going to be healing for us, they can hammer them. Like, as long as you're not speeding up or slowing down, if you keep the same speed, they can time them up going down the ring. You round that corner perfect, they can tee off every time. Chad Chad does it so good. That's where Joseph would just run to the end of it and tee off. Like, Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I think that's – and what I, what I kind of look for is with my healer's left hand. If yep. they have to pick up, usually something happened in the mm-hmm. run that was not right. But yep. if they if their hand just kind of stays at a neutral spot yep. and they're, like, driving their horse – it just seems like faster. Yep. Right. I, I totally and it's agree. not out of control fast. Like you know, you know what I'm talking about. It's not like you're just ducking out of sight and your healer's like, "Gosh, I gotta get there." Like no, it's like they're just following the steer, and when he hits, they go ahead and set their bottom down, and it's over. And your horse has already got your momentum, just like you talked about. You can face so easy off momentum. Right. All you got to do is lift their shoulder and put your right spur in them, and they'll turn around. I totally agree. Uh, so going to, to kind of a winning. Winning question, like or, or what winners do. I, I was curious to see what you'd do in this situation. Let's say, like, a Caldwell Rodeo, you're good on your first one, and you've got a very good steer in your second one. The move is full shoulder around the end of the gate at Caldwell? Yeah. And on, like, the medium, yeah, on a medium steer. Yeah, on a good one. Yeah. And then you're, let's say you've got a good one that you know is one of the 
top 10 steers, maybe top five best steers as far as speed-wise goes. He's yeah. just nice and easy. What do you try to do reading the barrier on those really good steers? And we're good on our first one, like yeah, you're you're good. It's two in a short rodeo. Yeah, like don't don't need to be blitzing right here, but blitzing would pay good. Yep. Yeah, I, I like if I'm sitting there, I know I'm I have a bad tendency to leave early. Like I don't score that great. I have a bad tendency to leave early. So if I know I got a really good steer, I'm gonna try to see, and I know it's gonna sound outrageous. I'm gonna try to see in my mind. From anywhere from six to twelve inches, too much. Right. Like I mean, I, I, that's a, that's a good bit too much, honestly. If you're trying to sit there in dead still and see it, but I, my my mind goes really fast. I feel like my mind goes really fast. I see it coming, and I get out of there too early, way too often. And I feel like I see it, and then I watch the video, and I don't. So I try to in that situation. I'm gonna try to see. I'm gonna try to list your halfway out because I know in my mind, for me, I'm gonna leave at least like. I'm going to be leaving at full shoulder if I try to see halfway out right. because that's just how fast my mind's going to be going when that steer slows down. And I'm just going to try to get out and not do anything stupid because that steer's good. Like, if the steer's good, you don't have to do anything stupid. If you see the start good and nail the barrier, you can run up their tail, stick them, and be forward easy on a setup like that. Right. So I'm not going to try to do anything dumb. I'm trying to run all the way to that steer, stick, and let my guy healing first hop because that's what he's trained to do is heal steers first hop. Right. I, I totally agree. I, I mean, as far as the, I don't think you can be late on those steers, no. and you kind of got to know how to score them. No. But I don't think you can read the barrier for what it truly yeah. pulls out. Like you can't just try to no. knock it back on the. You gotta, the you gotta be able to visualize stuff. You gotta read the cow, read the steer. Like, and I think, I think it's so important to be able to read that as they're coming through there. And that's the toughest thing I think a guy will learn out there on the road scoring wise. But I think what messes up a lot is guys will go at that steer too much. And and we'll catch him a lot and just dirty blitz us and win the round and be, you know, five, six tenths better than high callback. But as the year goes on, they're going to miss that steer where if you're just riding hard and doing the same thing you do every time, you're going to catch that steer nine times out of ten right there, and you're going to have more callbacks. And if you win throughout the year and just keep winning, it's going to make it easier than just saying you're going to win really big here and then wait two weeks and win really big here. You're going to be flustered those two weeks. Like, if you'll just keep catching that steer throughout the weeks, your confidence stays high, your guy keeps getting the same looks, and you just keep it in the zone and keep the rhythm of the flow going and just keep it open. Right. I, I totally agree with you. I, I think that's the important thing is looking at it long term, yeah. the whole summer. Yeah. Uh, it's not a – It's a marathon, man. Yeah. It's, it's a really battle. Not, it's not even like a two-head rodeo. It's no. – 75 head of steers yeah. or 85 head of steers. Yeah, however many two-headers you go to, just you count them out. Like, And, I mean, there's sometimes you're going back in the box and, like, I think, uh, God, was it Bremerton, Washington this year, maybe? Uh, or <laughs> three, like, three, four wins the rodeo. Yeah. I went 4-3 in the first part. Of, we got a leg, but we went 4-3, and I thought, I thought I spun a good steer. Like, I wasn't mad at my guy for missing or nothing, but I thought I spun a good steer. And, I, looked at the, I mean, you look at the results, 4-3 didn't even place. Yeah, it was up the same night. Right, so there's yeah, you we, yeah you were. We were four or five on a steer that I most of them You're pretty just slow. Came left, and huh? He yeah he kind of started a little bit harder and yeah. I was just off of it and we were four or five, and I was like man we made a bad run. Yeah, so we're not doing anything. That's where I missed the bear a little bit too, and then just the and the fact that we were four three, I thought man there ain't no way that's not good, and then you look at it like man, that turned up that that got a hand that got way out of hand way too fast, but. There's very rarely, like, 
I mean, sometimes you're going to be able to do it. If you if you got the talent to do it at those rodeos, do it. But it's a marathon, man. You need to catch. Catching pays. Like, if you don't catch, you never get paid. I I really agree. I mean, that's how I've tried to, to look at roping is try to catch more cattle. And yeah. the guy that catches the most, and, you know, usually ends up where he wants yeah. to be at. What about the, the mental side of things? What's been some of the... I mean, do you do you go up and down mentally, or is that something you really focus on? Uh, I say, yeah, I mean, I do a little bit. I I try to stay pretty level-headed. I don't ever, like, if I win real big, I don't try to get just super excited and, like, call home and be like, ooh, we're on a roll now, we're, we're about to get them, you know? Like, I try to just keep it to myself. I, I don't like expressing, I don't like, I don't ever talk about it with anybody either. I, I like to keep everything to myself, and I know that's different. A lot of people like to talk about stuff, and I, I never have liked to talk about it. Like, I don't mind talking to you right now. I love that. I'll talk about it all night. But, I like, if I had a choice, like, you know, I've missed or something, I'm not going to talk to that person. I'm going to go watch the video myself and just look at it and keep it up. But, like, I think it's really important to stay level-headed. And my partner, he's good at it. Like, it, it takes a lot to get him to crack. And I, I'm real good friends with Tyler Worley, and he's the most upbeat person in the world. But I think it's surrounding yourself with people that are positive. Like, right. you know, the, the winners, the people that are positive, they win. Yeah, and if you'll surround yourself with positive winners, people that win and stay positive, it'll keep you up. Like as, you can get down as hard as you want to, they'll keep talking to you until you're up with them. Right. You don't. Um, I think what you know, might notice too is when you're around a winner, you feel like you've been winning. Yeah. I, I mean, like especially right. if it's for me, like someone that I look up to, mm-hmm. and even if I've been struggling and we're talking, we're having a conversation mm-hmm. about roping or whatever, it seems like, oh man. Yeah, we're doing you feel good. good about it after the end of it. Like you might have missed twenty steers in a row, but they've won so much. You start talking to them about it, like they're having. You, I, I just never having a negative mindset about it. Like you don't ever be like, oh god, that guy won again. I'll be dang, you know, like that. That sucker, you know, like no, like look at it the right way. Look at it the fact that what is he doing that we're not doing? Right. Like try to visualize and figure out what he's doing, and then if you want to talk to him about it, if you feel like you're good enough friends with that person to talk to him about it, talk to him about it. I, I personally, I'm going to stay to myself and not tell anybody about anything unless they ask. If they ask, I'll tell them whatever I think. But I think, you know, you surround yourself with positive people. Watch the right people. Don't watch the guys that are getting you down, you know. Don't be around those people. They don't ever, they don't matter if you're 45 years old or 9 or 10. Surround yourself with positive people. Right. And I, I, I totally agree with you. So... What about nerves? Do you do you, is that something that you have to focus on, or do you get nervous? Or I used to think I had nerves of steel, man. Like when I was winning and those the numbered ropings, you know, like through the when I was growing up and like I started winning and then the tens and the twelves and then you get up in the thirteens and the fifteens, I, I felt unstoppable. And then you start entering the opens and you feel the nerves a little bit more. Like you realize, you know, you'll show up. And even when you're going to the little ones, you're still going to see somebody in the area you look up to a little bit. Right. Even, I mean, it might not be Driggers or Clay Smith. It might be whoever from where you're from that is just the local legend, you know, and you're going to see him. You're going to get a little nervous about it thinking about, man, I'm roping with this guy or I'm roping against this guy. And I feel like the nerves, the nerve side of it is a little bit tricky. It's hard to figure out, but... I feel pretty confident about myself that I'm not the most nervous person in the world. But I, I hear lately, like, if I haven't been doing re- just real good at the jackpots. Like, I always feel good at the rodeos. I, I never get too nervous at the rodeos. Like, I, I 
I don't know why, but I feel really confident at the rodeos. The jackpots here lately, I've been getting a little nervous every once in a while. If I ever get a call back, I do get a little nervous. But if you'll just sit there and take a few deep breaths and relax and realize it's just team roping. It's the same stuff you do every day in the practice pen. You don't have to worry about how fast you got to be. Just go have fun and relax. It's literally just roping the steer. Right. And uh, let's just say jackpot, whatever, the capitalist or something like that, kind of a bigger jackpot, get into the short round, and you might feel like, hey, I'm a little bit more tense, or you yeah. know, and, and we've all kind of been there. seems like when we're nervous, our mind starts racing just oh, a little so bit. So fast. And we start like, and I think what makes us nervous is we focus on outcome. Like, oh, yeah. if I don't catch this deer, what happens? If I do catch, this is what's going to happen. Yeah. So when you're riding in the box at that point and you've kind of taken your deep breaths, do you have like a focus point? Like you're going to focus on something you do in the run? Or what What, what kind of helps you calm your mind right there? Man, I, I just realized, I, I heard a guy a long time ago, I think it was A.J. Horton, wrote, he was on Facebook, and he said if you'll visualize that the last year you run is the best run you've ever made in your entire life, You'll always go into the box thinking about how good you did last time. You might have missed, but if you can visualize it, you'll see it better. But for me, like, I had a bad habit sometimes of, like, I'll get in, you know, third or fourth steer into a five or six head rope, and I'm like, man, we're about to win this son of a gun. Like, I'll start thinking about it, and then I'll back in the box, and I'll break the barrier, do something stupid. If if I'll just keep down and stay relaxed and just think about it one steer at a time and just keep going, like, in the box, take my deep breaths, when I realize, like, if I'll take my deep breaths and sit there, and when I nod, just make sure I score. Because if I score good, the rest of my run will come together. It's a it's a chain of events, man. Like, if you score bad, you're going to panic, you know. You're either going to break out or you're going to be late. When you're late, you panic because you're late. You, know, yeah. you try to do stuff and make stuff happen because you're late. If you ever do get out late, and I'm not saying you might get out late high callback or whatever, or not callback, but, you know, you're in a spot where you got to go out and you get out late. I've never been the guy to lay down and not try it. Like, if you're late and you know you're late, throw your rope. Try it on. See what happens. If worse comes worse, you're going to miss. But if it happens right, you're the hero, you know. But just know that, like, scoring is where it starts. If you can score good, everything will be in a rhythm. And they'll just follow into place after that. Right. So just really getting in there, like, hey, kind of having that run, knowing, yeah. just believing you can make the run. And then just focusing on your start. Yeah, that's for me. For me, I don't, and that could be completely different for other people. But I know if I get out of the barrier good, everything feels easy to me. Right, I totally agree. Yeah. I think that that's really a good start to yeah. almost any sort yeah. of heading. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just like, any, yeah, and it, and I mean, it's the same thing. You, know, you get a bad start in the morning, whatever it is. You're behind during the day. You rush around all day. You might mess something up. Forget to turn the water off. Just do something stupid that you wouldn't have done if you would just take your time, take deep breaths, and do stuff right right off the bat. Because right. if you start something right, you'll usually finish it right. Oh, absolutely. I, I mean, I think that's and it's kind of like a winning a winning deal. You know, if, yeah. you, if you're doing the right things and and have your mm-hmm. your, your thoughts in the right places yes, and you're sir. focused on yep. what you can do each and Throughout the day, you're just kind of in the moment. I yeah. think that's where it, I think that's where it really helps. Yeah. All right. So uh, the American was it the second year the end of the American that you and Peyton qualified for it? Oh man, I know I don't remember which one, but I remember it was. It was uh, second or third. It, it, I don't. I know it wasn't the first, but it was the second or third. It would have been. I think I was 17. Peyton had just turned 18 at the time. Right. We were both. And yeah. had you you'd won the the finale the fifteen mm-hmm. finale prior yeah, to that. I, I, that was 
to this. I don't know if a guy ever has a better year than that. I won the 12th shootout in Oklahoma City. I won the 15 out there, and then I made it to the American that all just within, you know, six months. Like, yeah, like one about 250000 Yeah, that's highlight. Like that. That's highlight real stuff for anybody. Dang sure for me. So, man, the the shot, I, I love it because you've seen the picture of, like, Peyton heel mm-hmm. the steer that he run by, and yep. that's – and you turn that sucker so fast in the qualifier. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's I get, I I get chills that's, just thinking about that. That's still, that's, that's, yeah. Uh, well, man, and I think that's where it's fun because that, you know, I really that's when I was like, man, you you have my attention, obviously, because the the yeah. shot in the finale in the short round was impressive, but then to come back like a month and a half later, two months later, whatever, yeah. and then just duck one straight back against all the guys ready to go, yeah. kind of trying to get qualified back for the. To the American, which is really hard to do. To just no, get through that, is, yeah, it's I, nasty. It felt easy that year. Was what's crazy. It felt easy that year, and I ain't made it back since. Like, right. You know, they kick your tail, and I feel like, and I do. I know I rope twenty to thirty times better than I did then. Now, and still can't get in. Yeah. But you will this year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully. Uh, well, man, what about the American? You know, you're qualified and coming back. Is that something that was that a moment where you're like, hey, this is. Was that the hard like I, I what I'm asking is was that the the highest pressure situation you've ever been in? I you the uh I think I tell you what's crazy to me when I get pressured up I never do good right and I feel like and this might not be true I might be talking straight out of my tail right here but like when I feel comfortable I can be in the most I can be in front of a freight train about to get hit and I'll feel comfortable that it's about to happen. Like, so what I'm saying is, like, when I backed in the box both times that night at Northside, trying to get back, felt so comfortable to me. For some reason, I don't know why, felt comfortable. I got to the American. When I got to the American, I was having a good time. Like, I, I enjoyed that so much. I, I don't care if I fell off there. I was just having a great time. Like, you know, not very many 17-year-old kids get to go ahead of steer, not an exemption or anything like that, and they qualified through it. And, like, not very many people get to do that. And I wish... Wish so much that I would have nailed the barrier and spun him back, and me and Peyton would have won the whole thing, which bygones be bygones. But I think that day I was nervous. By the time I got to the box, I didn't know my start when I backed in the box, and that killed me. I did not know what to see. I heard – I didn't really – I never talked to people. Like, that's a, that's a bad thing about me. I hear people that, you know, like I don't really talk to a lot of people about it. I'm a shy person, I guess is what I'd say about it. But, like, I don't talk to the pros and stuff, so I I wasn't even, like, prepared to ask one of them, like, hey, what are y'all about to see, you know? Like, I was going to keep that to myself just because it's where I've always been. And when I backed in the box, I did not know the start I was going to see, and that, that goes right back to what we talked about five minutes ago about if you see your start, everything falls into place. I didn't see a good start. I missed the barrier, and I threw it from my – threw it setting flat on my butt and broke the right horn, figure out the nose. Right. But – I think that's what's so tough about rodeo that uh, no one talks about or even thinks about. And if like if you're up in a perf, yeah. there's ten or fifteen teams. Uh, more than likely, you're right in the middle of it. Yeah. It's just saying, hey. And so you get your measurements. They say a sixteen foot box. It's yeah. one foot under. Go ahead. Yeah. And well, so what are you going to see? Well, now, yeah. what type of steers are they? And then yeah. the first steer might lope, and the second steer might run. You might be third out, and you're like, I don't know what to see. Yeah. I don't even know what the poll's like. And then you can ask guys, but what the problem is, is I feel like when I ask someone what the start is, 
a lot of guys would like to watch out through the gate. Yeah. And I like the pin. You're just for the pin. I, yeah. I like the pin because I feel like I leave early, mm-hmm. and my horse has just a little throttle right there. Mm-hmm. Um, and if I go out the end of the gate, I kind of anticipate yeah. too much. That's where I, I anticipate. I just, but I think that's like growing up from different regions. Like you grew up yeah. right there, and that's where they see you for the most part. When I've been around that area, everybody sees to the pin, and I see to the end of the gate. But, like, that is such a tough thing because – you can be riding in second out. You didn't get to watch it. You ride in there. You ask somebody, hey, what do you think it is? Like uh, this year, I think, Eugene, Oregon. I was second out in the slack that morning. Right. And uh, I was riding in there. I was trying to get over there to watch it, and I ended up getting pushed back. Like they were running me. Like I didn't get over there in time. And so I'm sitting there on my horse right beside the bucket sheet, so I don't get to see it. And I ride in the box, and – just being my second year, I, our first year, I buddied with Corey Kidd and Caleb Anderson. And so I asked Corey what he thought to see, and Corey told me what he thought. And that's what's so tricky about it is, like, you learn it as you go. Like, I know if Corey says, hey, see point, I'm going to see full shoulder. Right. Like, it's so tricky to understand that your eyes, nobody has the same eyes. Like, they're not going to see stuff the same. There can be 20 guys sitting there talking about it, and you can start at the line and ask them. They're going to see horn. You might get to the end of it. Somebody's about to see hip to the pin. You don't know what's about to happen. Right. So finding a guy that you're trustworthy with is really key out there. Like, And not saying that you're going to see the same start as him, but knowing where y'all's differences are. Yeah, I, I totally agree because we really don't have that much time to process the information no. and make a good you know, decision. I, you know, and I, most of the time you get to see it, you know, when you slacks and stuff. But 20, 25 to 30% of the time you ride in the box at the rodeo and you might lean over to the guy sitting there watching it and be like, hey, what do you think? You know, you're backing in the box about to nod, and you don't know what you're about to see. Right. I, I mean, I did that at Casper this year. I was, yeah. I was third out. There was a turnout before us. Mm-hmm. The first steer did something kind of awkward. Yeah. And I, I was like, man, I'm I'm in the box asking yeah. Matt Sherwood or someone like what he thought and yeah. another guy, and, and I did terrible. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I did not do anything that I had yeah. a game plan because I was completely – I, you know, the what I was focused on wasn't there. Yeah, it was completely exactly. Right. But uh, I, I think for, for headers, and this is something I, I'm kind of curious on because I, I think Clay Smith does it, and some guys, I think some guys are kind of leaning towards it a little bit. But I feel like headers almost are leaving just a little bit sooner than, and it might, I, mean, I don't know if you're really rodeo on or seen it a lot, but four or five years ago, it just seemed like a lot of the guys, like you'd see it and they blow and yeah. go. And now it looks to me like there's just a little bit more, they leave a little bit earlier with a little bit more throttle. Mm-hmm. And if the steer's sharp, they drop him, but they kind of yeah. drop the hammer. And if he's not, they kind of just keep that horse in their hand almost like a calf rope or whatever. Yeah. Is that I something think, you try to do a little bit? I think I do it some, and I don't even try to do it. I know I do it on the paint because me and the paint, I, I've, I can back in the box, try to see full shoulder, and I'll never see full shoulder if I try to see it on him. That's where it just comes in. I've rode him for five or six years, and I know the feel of him, like, he, I don't sit there and see a start on him. I never have been able to. I can sit there and see a start on my bay, but the paint might happen to just take off and you don't know it. Like he's not going to like leave you, but you can feel him antsing up. So then you just kind of have to pull him, feel it, feel it, and then just as you're, you know, you're throttling towards the line. I think, I think Justin did that a little bit more than a lot of people think so. Like I think, I think he's, I think he kind of got Clay Smith doing it, and I'm not sure about that. But Dustin was doing it before Clay started doing it on Marty. Clay figured it out too, and it's just lethal yeah. how to do it. Clay doesn't do it as much as like Dustin. Dustin is filthy; like yeah, it's I mean, unreal what he can do. 
Clay doesn't do it as much, but you've like, I've noticed it too. Like he'll be swinging, he might get two or three swings off in the box with both hands up. You know, when he hits the line, like he's sending them both to the back of the head right there, the steer's horn, just opening everything up and turning them straight back. And you're like, man, that guy's got it figured out. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Um, and that's Dustin was the guy too that yeah. I really noticed it. Um, the first time I noticed it was Ogden, Utah, yeah. and it was like one over mm-hmm. in a seventeen foot box. So yeah. that's a very long score. I mean, you're I throwing your rope a long ways if you throw it very soon. Yeah, like, uh, for me, it's tail by the pin. Yeah, and the steers are pretty strong. And I think he was three nine and three eight or yeah. four flat and three eight, mm-hmm. and it was just like. It was ridiculous. Yeah, like how, I mean, that's a that's a tough arena to be that fast in. Yeah, it, I mean that's that setup was um, like yeah. <laughs> it, no one should do that, and he did it just twice right back to back. I, yeah, and I remember that I was five flat in the first perf. I think we had first and last over there, and I went five flat. I didn't even know it was a two head rodeo. I, like, <laughs> this is how little I knew. I'm asking my partner on the way out. I'm like, you think that's gonna place? And he's like, man, I don't know. And I'm like, gosh, man. And we're in the truck. He still ain't told me that we're coming back here like Monday. This is like a Friday maybe. And then I'm just watching the watching the results. And they say, you know, it's the second round leaders. I'm like, dude, it's a two hundred. He's like, yeah, yeah. But you look at the results. We're five flat. Dustin's like three nine and three eight, and like back to back. Like, and there's seven. And I'm like, dude, well, there's no way we're gonna be two. And it just hey, it worked out. I placed at that rodeo. I think we had to be like five six to place, and the average pretty decent because it dropped off. But that's like that's just showing you how much gamey he is right there. It's like I thought I made a good run. It was five flats. You kind of came left, and then him and Clay Smith are threes all day there. Yeah, I, yeah, that's what's selling me on it. And I think you've, what we've seen a lot of it this year. And yeah. in fact, I I've talked to a, a few headers about this, and I think what's happening is there's guys like yourself, and there's getting to be a handful of headers that are doing this. Yeah, and they're turning the steers back really fast. And it's almost changed rodeo a little bit or team roping. Yeah. Uh, where there's used to be, you felt like, man, there wasn't that many great headers. Yeah. And there was a lot of guys that could really heal. Now it's like, man, there's, there's a bunch of good headers, five man. To Fifteen headers that can dang sure stick, and there's about yeah. ten of them that are doing some stuff that's it's pretty rank. Yeah. And the healers are not. I mean, they they it really exposes some healers sometimes. Yeah. I think I think the healing is limited. Like, they can't get much better than what they're doing right now. The guys that are doing it, I swear, like, they can't get much better than that. I don't yeah. know how they could do it any faster. And I didn't think Hedden could be any faster either. But watching Dustin do it, and people have thought, man, that's dumb. Like, I, I know people did. I thought it was dumb. I was like, there's no way that guy would be able to rodeo. Tanner Tomlinson the same way. He can reach like that. He's coming up. Like, And you would think, man, there's no way that's going to work at the pro rodeos. And then you turn around and Dustin's spending five or six steers a week out of eight. Like, five or six of those steers is kicking the tail out of everybody that's running them down and being six. Right. Like, it's different than, like, hey, he spun two this week out of eight. No, he spun 75, 80% of them right there. Well, it's, it's changing it to where, like, the healer's horse has to have some ridiculous speed. Yes. Like, they, can't, they cannot be sitting there like, ooh, I'm going to leave with my guy and I'm just going to head to a spot. Like, no. When the like when you're watching Dustin, <laughs> I I buddied with him this year. You sit there and I, dang him, man, it sucks going behind him because you feel like man that he made it look easy. And you'll back in the box and try it, and you're like, who is way harder than I thought. So I had to go back to doing what I do. But like you watch it, like I mean, it's hard to get there. Like when he gets it on one fast on that hard runner, a guy if they're late at all out of the box, they might as well just head to the middle of the rope because that's where the steer's about to be coming by. Like 
Yeah. Because if you try to get around the end of it, there's not a chance you're going to get there. Because I'm telling you, like, where it all – and what I what amazes me still to this day is Caldwell first round last year when they went like 4-1 or 2, and I think 4-8 or 9 won second in the round in the first yeah. round, and he got it on him ungodly fast. It was so, so unreal how he did it. Yeah. And, I, yeah. It's fun watching. It, it yeah. really is. So – with guys like Dustin, and this is, I think, what the problem is, and, and Driggers, I thought, was doing it a few years ago. Mm-hmm. They'll turn one, and they, I think they take headers completely out of the game. Right? Yeah. Man, when this dude cuts it out one that fast and turns it, like, they're either they're trying something, they're completely out of their game plan that day, yeah. or just like you said, like, I've tried what Dustin does. Mm-hmm. But does that kind of take you out of, like, your, like, belief and, like, I'm I'm good enough? Or do you do you struggle with that? Like, hey, I, I can do this or I'm, I'm good enough? Or is that – how do you, how do you strengthen you, that? Yeah, and that's what's – it is weird because, like, my first year I felt like I reached so good two-head average rodeos, I was terrible. And this year I felt good at the average rodeos, and it took me till Caldwell this year to realize that I could reach again. And I – like, but throughout the year, like, was struggling at it. And on the paint – when I paint, when I ride the paint after Dustin, like at those radios, I, I could do sort of what he's doing because the paint is sort of like what he would like to ride. Like he's want a, want a horse that's going to want to throttle a little bit across there, and when you throw, he's so forgiving and flat. It's just easy. It's happening right now. Like when I was riding the bay, I couldn't so much do it because that horse is more like down, like you run to the cow and you make the run out there. You might be four-tenths slower, but you're going to be able to do it every time. So I think it was crazy to me, but it wasn't until like I I – have to have a lot of belief in myself because there's sometimes where I've got down on myself like and didn't think I'm, I feel like I'm really really hard on myself and there's been times where I thought man I don't know if I can do this like last year when I cut out after the California rodeos I was up north and I think I missed eight or nine in a row like and which is I'm sure guys have done that before but for me I was struggling and it took me we won I think maybe Okotoks, Alberta, we won that rodeo, and it took me till then to realize I could do it. But, like, I was struggling a little bit, and Chase stayed with me. I don't know why, but he stuck with me. But, like, you do get to struggling, and that's where I'm at. Like, I felt good about this year. At the end of the year, I felt confident I could run to a steer or reach at a steer at any given moment. Right. Do you think that your belief system and that, that like, hey, I I can do this is just – you know, you've worked at it to so hard, and you've yeah. proved it to yourself. Like, hey, I, I know that I got this run. I can yeah. make this run. I can run. I can do the one close yeah. shot, or I can cut it at them with the two and three close shot if I need to. Yeah. And you just realize, like, hey, I've just missed a few. You yeah. Know? And, and is that it happens? Yeah. Like you just gotta. I swear, like you're gonna miss steers, even when you feel like you've done everything right. You might. What sucks is when you miss one, like on an all night drive. That's terrible. That's hard. That is really hard. Like and this year at Reno, I was high callback and had to be maybe five nine or six flat at Reno. Like that's as easy as it gets to win the Reno rodeo. And I had a dirty loping steer and I split the horns immediately. Like steer just kind of checked off in front of me. He was slow. I got on top of him too fast and I split the horns. And I think we drove from that night. We drove to. I know we did from that night. We drove to Pinocchio, Alberta. Right. From Reno, Nevada to Pinocchio, Alberta is not very close. Nope. And Chase is like, you know what, I'll let you have the first shift, you know, you can just drive. And I'm like, okay. So that that right there is the hardest night's drive. It's already hard enough that you're driving 20-some hours to the next rodeo and you can't stop to get there. 
But when you miss that steer to do like you've had your mindset on the whole time that you're about to win this rodeo and just start your year off awesome. You mess up and that all night drive, it'll get you guy. I mean, it'll get you down. And then we went up to Pinocchio and I I mean I had time to think about it and we looked back at it and like it just happens. You can't do nothing about it. You have to move on from that. Like the longer you think about it and dwell on what has happened in the past, the longer and more continuously stressful it's going to be on yourself thinking about how bad you have done the time before. Like, because if you look back at it now, what do I do? I take another swing, I wide my horse, and I lay it on the horns, and we're 5-2 and win the rodeo by a second. Like, right. it's that easy. But in the moment, it happens so fast, you can't take that away from yourself. Like, you can't be that hard on yourself when little stuff does happen and just keep moving forward. Man, I, I think that's that's really, really it hits home. Yeah. <laughs> I, it, I, I mean, I feel like when you're rodeoing, you're constantly leaving money in the arena. Yes. I mean, your win percentage, in best case scenario, I don't know what yours was this year, but I would assume it's anywhere from 25 to 40% yeah, of the yeah, time. Yeah, like a 40% win percentage is is awesome. Yeah, it's top like, and we Like, and I looked at it, I, I wrote everything down this year, and I would, my goal is to spend 80% of steers. If I can spend 80% of steers, my guy can heal – 80% of those, well, now as a team, we're catching 60%. Six out of 10 at the rodeos is money. Yep. Like, that's that's taking it to them. And eight out of 10, heading is hard. Yeah, really <laughs> Healing hard. six out of those eight is real tough. Right. Like, but I think the win percentage, like a four, guy that can win like 40%, I bet we won maybe 30% of the time. Like, I don't feel like we were, we probably weren't in the higher tiers because we had some pretty big wins. Like, we won Puyallup and then play second at Cheyenne. So we had a few wins that were pretty big, like place third and third and fourth at San Juan. So I don't feel like our win percentage was really that high. I honestly don't feel like I roped that good this year, and I still made it. But just because of the few times where I would just keep down the grindstone, just keep believing in yourself. Well, and that's what I was going to ask you earlier. You know, the Reno, that one's crushing. It, it has to yeah, be my, a crushing. Yeah, my favorite monster. rodeo, man. Like, I love favorite that rodeo. rodeo. I mean, it's, dude, I love that rodeo. I've, yeah. I've won a little bit there, placing the average real kind of down there, and yeah. then I've placed in the first round. And I'm like, man, this is so much fun. I would yeah. love to to have that chance to win. It was the 100th anniversary. Yeah, like, I had it. I built this thing up so much. Yeah. I mean, I put it on the roof when I win this sucker. Like, exactly. this is going to start the year. I'm going to have 30000 or whatever right now. This is going to be awesome. And, and the, that's the other thing, the, the aspect uh, that we hadn't dived into is not only – I mean, the rodeo pays, what, nine or 10000 to win? Yeah, like if I, if I catch that steer, they were going to win like second or third in the round. Yeah. And then they money there and then win the average. We've already won three grand in the rodeo. We're going to win 10 to 12 grand total. So uh, that takes you to the 30 mark, which yeah. is halfway to the NFR. Halfway to the NFR. Or dang close. Yeah. Before really it's even started. Yeah, you know, that's and your 10th rodeo for most guys. That's like the 10th rodeo out of 65. Like, you're in a good spot. Yeah, it's perfect. Yes, it's perfect you're so set up. But now, what's cool about this is you can have that, the heartbreak right there, mm-hmm. and then know that you're, you rope well enough and yeah. are mentally tough enough to get through it and still get where you want to be at the end of the year. Yeah. And I think that's where those, like, missing those seven in a row, Mm-hmm. And still knowing you can come back and do your job, yeah. and missing the one at Reno, knowing like, hey, I, and you really that they can't beat you at that point. Yeah. Is no. that is that how you try to look at it? Or I, yeah, and like when I get down and it's starting to do bad, there's one or two ways I look at it. Like I can either take another swing. Let's say that for instance, like if I haven't been roping good, so I go to Eugene that morning. 
I get a big loop, like, I mean, a huge loop. And I back in the box, and I'm like, I'm about to rope the steer from the tail forward. Whatever it catches, if it's legal, I'm turning straight back. Like, you can look at it that way. Like, that'll get you out of your slump. Like, think about that. Like, let's not try to be so tight. Let's just throw a huge catch loop and see if we can get stuff rolling again. Right. Or you can look at it as a fact that, like, I had a really bad week after the 4th of July. Like, the Sheridan Casper week, I did bad. So I get to Sheridan at the end of the week. Everything's a little softer. First round, I take two more swings than I normally would have and just set the run up. We're still, we still made a good run because I was up and out, like we said. It wasn't so much of me rodeoing, like just going at him, coming back. It was more of a jackpot-type run on a harder running steer. And we're 5'8", I think, and then we come back, we're 5'6", similar-type runs. But there's, I think there's ways to get out of your slump throughout rodeoing if you'll just sit there and think about what you need to do. Like, don't overthink it so much to the fact to the point where you're back in the box the next time and you're thinking about four different things. But just slow it down and, like, man, it's simple. Like, to me, and I've always said this, I, I never grew up, like, learning, you know, like, I see a lot of guys doing it, and I, and I commend them for doing it. I, I think nothing wrong about it, like, but breaking down on the dummy. I don't rope the dummy very much. For one, my shoulder don't like it very good. gets sore as heck. And then for two, I don't like to think about stuff that much. To me, heading is so simple because just catching, per se. Like, if I have a little horn steer, I'll swing rope tight. I swing from the tip of the right horn to the tip of the left. And if my horns are bigger, I just swing it more open and throw it at the back of the head. Like, that is literally how I've always thought about heading, and I make it so simple to myself. So, to me, that being that simple-minded, like making everything super, super easy to yourself, you can always go back to that as right. more. I, I like I break it down more when I'm doing good than I would as if I'm doing bad. Like if I'm doing bad, I'm going to try to make it easier on myself, like not think so much about it. And if I'm doing good, then I'm going to start picking at myself and trying to work to get better. And then if it does get bad, go back to making it easy on yourself. Man, I, I think that's so true. Um, yeah. I, even like when we, were, when we were videoing with you the other day, it was something that I, I kind of wanted to, to have you talk about, touch on, was reaching. Yeah. And, and you said, one thing that I think is really key for me reaching is getting my rope above the horns. Yeah. And because when it's below the horns, you to you pick your tip yeah. up as you're riding, and that's it's pretty, impossible. Yeah, you it, can't it, catch it, them. Yeah. I mean, you, you might click some on on some little horn steers. And it's sweet when it gets that clicker neck. You've never been so happy in your entire life to see it. Just click on something trashy and you get to turn the steer. That's awesome. But, like, for me, it's so simple. Reaching is really easy to me because I feel like if – and that's the same way I just talked about making it simple. Like, everything in me, everything that I think about with team rope and heading-wise is simple. Like, if I'm going to reach, I'm going to pick my tip up. I'm going to get probably a bigger loop, per se. I mean, I'm not going to have an outrageously big loop, but I'm going to have a little bit bigger loop. I'm going to keep my power out to the right, and then I'm just going to put it above the horns and throw it right down the middle. Like, keep it out to the right, to the tip of the right horn, over the left, down the middle. Like, it's that easy to me is what I've always thought about. You don't throw it up their tail or anything. You just throw it overhanded at the back of the head and try to make it cover both horns at the same time when you're reaching. I, I do understand when you get closer, it is more of a right horn, left horn game. But for me, like... I necessarily don't really ever get that close. If I ever get that close, I I go for the neck a lot because I am nervous about waving it off. So if I get that close, I go for the neck a lot. Right. And that, to me, when you get to the neck, you're just going to keep the same thing. You're throwing it right over the top of the neck and just letting it sit on the neck and pulling it back. Yeah, yes, sir. Well, what's really interesting, too, about your heading is you're an XR4 man. Yeah. And I use a bigger rope. 
Well, that's what's crazy is, you know, the XR4s, I, I love to heal with them. Like yes. Yeah. And the reason I like to heal with them is I don't heal all the time. Mm-hmm. But when I do, they, they hit real true. Yeah. They don't They're move. big. They're there. And I get, yeah. like, I get a lot of information it's about how my, yeah, I know how my rope is yeah. hitting. It doesn't travel anywhere. It's just true. Yeah. But very rarely do you see headers go to them. Like, I've, I watch, like, Driggers and a few guys, you know, maybe they get in a slump or something. I, I'm not sure what it was. Yeah. They'll kind of go to an XR. But you very rarely see headers crack them out. Yeah. Rodeon, and that's, that was the one thing I was like, man, this kid's got some, he, he's <laughs> smooth with his rope. Yeah. And, and really deliberate with everything because you can, like, that, it stays open and true. Yeah. But it's not a super snappy, quick rope yeah. like the power line, like, pretty much. It happens like a power line. I feel like a power line is really fast, and yeah. I I love I still I do jackpot with the power line like right. a lot because like if, if I was to use an XR4 to roping, I'm gonna freaking go for the neck. I really am. Like yeah. I'm nervous about waving it off. I I get terrified of it. I would rather worry about waving it off though than getting around the horns. Like I used to be a big spider guy. I used the spiders like when I won the finale, and then last year I used the heats probably. Halfway through the year, I use the heats. I love the heats. They're still my favorite feeling rope that right. Classic's ever made. I love them so much. But they're smaller, and there's not as much forgiveness. I went to the power lines, and I was like, man, these power lines are more forgiving. And then I stumbled upon an XR4 at a, what's, I think they're called the North 40, maybe. They're up there in Montana. They're the little, they're the like tractor supply, you know, Murdoch type stores. Okay. okay. They're outfitter stores. And we were in there. I don't even realize, what, remember what we were in there. We were headed to Regina, Saskatchewan. The Canadian rodeo is me, Chase, Eric Rogers, and Peyton. And we're headed up there. And we stopped there for some reason. I grabbed one and I used it the rest of the weekend. And then from then on out, I had them ship me a bunch of them up there, and I, I fell in love with those ropes. They were so I, – I, I wrote so – I, I think it was a little bit to do with me roping calves a lot growing up. Like I loved a big poly feeling. That feels like a big poly to me. It really yeah. does. And I just use it – I just get it stiffer so it will stay open easier. But I like the weight. Like like per se, like this is when they first started noticing that I was using them too. was like Caldwell. The first round, I drew a dirty running steer this year. Like, I thought he was really running. I was fourth or fifth team out, and I had an XR4, same one I'd had. And I threw my whole rope, and it just sailed to the horns like easy. And that's when I felt good about my reaching again. I think I'd gotten behind and gotten to a spot where I wasn't doing it good. And I think I changed my roping a little bit. And I'm not saying the XR4 is the answer for everybody, but for me, the weight of it and how much easier it would just – easily go to the horns like stay open and carry to the horns was the answer for me right well and i think pretty typically you see a lot of headers that reach really well yeah. they lean towards a, a power line yeah and that because it just stays so open i yeah. mean honestly it's forgiving like, it's, i mean i don't know the numbers this year but i bet eight or ten oh, or yeah. 15 headers at the finals are going to be power using yeah. going to be using a power line yeah and uh and the, but your guys with horses that, that kind of blow a little bit more mm-hmm. they they're going to have a little smaller. It's yeah. smaller, quicker. It's yeah. like that one coil. And that's that's used, I, that's what I used all the time and love. But yeah. realized, man, I really got to get better at reaching. Yeah. And that's why I, I got leaning towards the power line. And that's and now I also decided, I'm, you know what? Yeah. I'm going to use this rope. And the only way I'm going to change is between I'm going to use a soft. And I might go down to an extra soft. Yeah. But I feel like I, I try not to change because then yeah. I'm like, ah. That's the worst yeah. part about classics too. Is they all They're so, so good. good, man. You can talk yourself into yeah. using every rope. I'm telling you, I, I don't even know why I swung it. I picked an NXT up the other day, and I, I think it, I think it was Luke's was laying around. I swung it, and I was like, 
No, I tell you who it was. It's Tyler Worley's because he always has seconds, right. head ropes for some reason. Like he don't head twenty five percent of the time, but he's going to go to George and he's like, hey, can I get a few head ropes? You know, yeah. so he's going to get a few of them. And he had one hanging on his saddle, just sitting over there. And I swung it. I was like, man, that feels awesome. It's just crazy. Like classic ropes are so good. Like all of them, you have to find a spot. Like stay there. Like because I'm not going to back in the box and with a XR4 in the first round and then come back with a radar four in the second round. You know, like you just you can't swing it and throw it the same way and do it that way. Well, I totally agree. And then the, and then that's what makes it worse is then I like. I might find my rope bag. It'll be every different color. Yeah. And I'll be like, oh, what kind of horns is this deer got? And I'm yeah, going to use exactly. this rope. And then that's when I've decided, you know what? These ropes are true. They mm-hmm. hit true. The only difference is the lay. And that's yeah. why I try to go, like, hey, keep it right in there. Yeah. Um, I will go to a heat if it's like we've got some real smaller horn yeah. steers or like I get to like I, I would still have like yeah. jackpot with the heat, you know? Yeah. And I'm sure you're feeling the same way about it. Like, you like it. And I, I almost switched back to the power lines this winter because like we're about to be indoors. You're not gonna. I switched to the XR4s because I liked it, being able to throw it in the wind. Like it would just go straight through. Like it was like throwing a pipe at the back of the steer's head. If you didn't catch him, he's about to knock him down. But it would go through the wind, and like you, the weather, anything that was happening wouldn't change the rope. Like it was still gonna do what it was gonna do. And I almost went back to the power lines, and then I thought, man, these steers are gonna be big for finals. They wanted me to kind of use stay with the XR4s, so George tweaked them a little bit to feel a little better in the winter because. They're not so much of a winter rope for right. me, for for me per se, like to head with. I would rather use softer. Yeah, right? yeah, like that. I feel like they lose a little bit of body in the cold, yep. and that's just because how they are. In the heat, you can lay them outside for three weeks, lay it on the back of your truck, driving to rodeos, grab it and swing it. It's gonna be straight as a string, ready to go. Right. Like, and I, I've never been around a rope like that, so I love that about it. But like the power lines to me are probably my favorites, and I even like the Tritons in the weather like in the colder weather yep but george tweaked on them a little bit for me and he got them he got them how i like them so that's i just stuck with them that, that's what you're going with over yeah there. yeah they might need me a true true xr4 they're i mean they're still all the stuff but there's some tweaking done on them but right. they're they're dang sure the white ones uh, I, I love it so man i, I gotta kind of know this one um I, I, do you get pretty excited after after you guys, you know, when you blast one in front of yeah, the crowd? Heck you get yeah, yeah. I'll feel super confident about it. Like, uh, man, if you understand, like this year, it was weird. After it was right after Salinas, and we were going to draw out of Ogden. We were just going to draw out because we drew up. We actually got up at Cheyenne in the semifinals deals over the top of Salinas. We trade out of that, get to the first set. Well, now we're over the top of Ogden. So we're thinking, I don't know what to do now. Well, we're going to Deadwood after that, so what do you do? Do you trade over the top of that? You get out of Deadwood or do you get out of Ogden? So we're about to pull out of Ogden, and Chase is like, hey, I got us away. And I'm like, okay, what's up? And he's like, "We'll we'll go to Ogden from Salinas. We'll rope that morning. We'll get on a plane. Right there at Ogden Airport, Shadrack Field's going to fly us. Mm-hmm. It's a two-hour flight from there to Cheyenne. We'll fly there, rope at Cheyenne. Shadrack will fly us back because we, we had them both that morning at Ogden. We traded one to that night. Yep. Shadrack, Casey. Casey got in with us after that because he was up that night, too, right. at Ogden. So we all flew back over there. And, like, that day, I missed the first one. I had a – yeah, this was – this is before the XR4s had really taken a huge hold on me. This is right. still a power line deal. And I had a medium soft power line 
And I do. I love stiff ropes. I do. Right. And this one, I'd waved it off three steers in a row that morning. <laughs> I threw it in the, the creek right there as I walked by. I was so bummed out about that rope. It was my favorite rope, too. I kept cracking it out everywhere I'd go and swing it. Like, dude, this feels awesome. Right. Use it. I'd wave it off. And like I think there there's no like there's no superstitions or anything, but if it does your if it does your head a little bit of clarity just to get something away from you that's not working for you, I'm all for it. So I, I just tossed it out in the next and then I flew over there. We win the we win the semifinals round at Cheyenne. We come back that night and I don't fly very good <laughs> at all. Like I mean I do really bad. So from the time like I barely get to Cheyenne without throwing up. Right. The rope at Cheyenne, I feel terrible. Yeah. Get back on this. I'm like, I'm like Chase. Do we really, like my mom? She flew out there to help us. She's got our rig in Ogden. I'm like, what about just like staying here? We'll turn that steer out at Ogden. I'll spin you one fast somewhere else. I swear, just don't make me get back on that plane. He's like, no, we're doing it. I didn't like it either, but we're doing it. I'm like, God, all right, fine. We get back in there on the way back. This plane's so small. We got one extra girl that wasn't supposed to get in with us. She jumps in with us. We had to take our air conditioner out. So now we have no heat or no AC in that thing. So I'm sweating up in that son of a gun, and I'm, my head starts spinning. We're probably 35, 40 minutes into the two-and-a-half-hour flight, and I start throwing up. And we threw, I threw up from there until I get all the way back into Ogden. I get out of there. I'm kissing the ground, so happy to be back on the floor. And we go to Chick-fil-A. I didn't eat nothing. We show up back over to Ogden. And I look at the steer, and I'm like, I feel terrible. And I drew a steer that just dirty hauled. I mean, just dirty run that morning. I'm so mad. So I'm thinking about it, and I finally get in there. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to get him. And for some reason, I threw my whole rope as I nodded. It clicked on a half head, and we're four, like three maybe, and went second around. Right. Like that kind of stuff's just, it's rodeo, and it's exciting to me. Like I, I feel so terrible when I'm back in the box. I can't hardly sit in the saddle. I mean, everything that was in my stomach prior to that day is gone. And <laughs> the whole time, you're probably like, man, why am I doing this? Yeah, that's what I'm like the whole time. I've been trying to talk Chase out of going to Ogden the whole time. I'm like, man, I swear, they're going to give us this count back. We'll go somewhere else. I promise you I'll spend you more steers. Yeah. I'll catch. I promise. Like, just don't make me get on the plane. He's like, no, we're going to do it. Ogden's good. And I'm like, I know it's good. I would be better if I didn't know. And he's like, no, we're going to do it. So I'm like, fine. So we do it, and the whole time I'm in that plane, he's laughing and chuckling. We had the windows rolled down trying to get the smell out. I mean, it was awful. Casey videoed it, put it all over social media. Uh, but <laughs> Chase is giggling the whole time, just having a good old time. And we got back that night. It did work out good, and then we went back and won the second round at Cheyenne that next day, and just had a great time. But yeah, and, and kicking like good run, like good run. Like kind of started like the right there. Yeah, man. that might have been the one. That was the one. Like I, that plane ride, I told him, I said, man, I know we might have to do it again sometime, but please, I swear I'll catch more if you don't make me get on any more planes. Yeah, like, hey, I, I want it more. Yeah, I swear, like, if we back in over there at Northside, <laughs> I'm going to catch him at Northside, man. Like, don't worry about it. I'll make up for something. Just don't, don't, make me, don't make me get on a plane. I hate it. Oh, man, that's pretty awesome right there. Well, what about the finals, man? I know that you guys have put a ton of practice in. Is that yeah. something – have you done any sort of extra – I mean, you guys have set up the NFR Arena. We've filmed the practice yeah. sessions. By the With way, the looks great. Thank um, you. Thank you. Yeah, what about the, the mindset going in? Are you going to just kind of stay with everything, or what? How are yeah. you trying to prepare yourself for that? Mentality? I uh, 
I'm just gonna enjoy it, man, because I, I feel like there's so many times like this might be the this might be my first year and my only year to ever make it. You never know what's gonna happen. Like I might lose my good horses, I might lose a foot. You just don't know what's gonna happen. It's not promised. Yeah. So in a, in a perfect world, I make it the next 20 years. Just have the greatest career of my life, you know, awesome. But I'm just gonna enjoy it because I don't know. Nobody knows if they're ever gonna get a day tomorrow, another tonight. They don't know anything. That's not given. Like. Like, and it's just, you have to live every day like it's your last. So I'm going to enjoy it, man. Just every second of it, I'm going to take it in. Like, I'm going to be an NFR rookie. Like, just, if they try to give it to me, I'm taking it. Like, if you try to give me a free koozie, I'm taking a free koozie. I don't care. Like, I'm going to enjoy it, man. But I'm a big rhythm guy. Like, so, like, the first round, if if I'll just catch that steer and get a good feel for it, like, get out of the barrier good and just catch that first one, not even worry about what anybody else has done. Like, if you got to be 4-3 to place in the first round, so be it. I'm going to be 5-flat. Right. Like, I'm not worried about what anybody else is doing. Because if I'll get in a rhythm that first right, that first night, if I'll get myself in, like, the rhythm of leaving behind the steer, getting a good flat open swing over the horns, and just start speeding it up gradually from there, it'll keep my horse good, and I'll be able to get more in the rhythm and fill it out better. And I, I totally agree. Like, one of my favorite headers the last last year over there was, I thought, Snow and Thorpe's run. Yeah, they made you know, good runs. We, we filmed their practice, and kind of, I got to, you know, you get to talk to them about it a little bit. Yeah. And it seems like they try to keep them a little bit more in the middle of the arena. Yeah. And, and set Wesley up. But, you know, I don't know what round that Cody waved it off that steer, but it wasn't, man, it wasn't a bad head shot that he, yeah. he waved it off. And they had a great NFR, mm-hmm. and you know they get that steer down, and they might have a chance to win the world. Yeah. You, you don't know at that point, but yeah. it was like, and, and they really had just stayed within their their run and the rhythm, yeah. and, and that's what I love about that. Uh, like a few years ago, when Petska won the world, that's my favorite team ever to watch is Eric and Petska in that finals. Like that's, I've studied them hard. Like I, don't, I, I have a TV in my house, but I don't watch TV. Like I don't have satellite or anything like that on it. But I've watched their runs, like, on, you know, YouTube and stuff because I'm trying to figure out – because they make it look so easy, and it's not easy. Yep. That is a tough arena to catch in. The yes. steers are big. The wall's coming up fast. It's it's hard to figure out how to open them up and let your guy heal them easy. But watching them gives a the guy confidence, like, hey, if you can just learn little bits about what they're doing and implicate that into your roping, you're going to make it yourself – your job, your healer's job, everybody's job in that arena easier if you'll just get out of the way faster. You'll be faster by going 4-2 at the middle of the arena than being 4-5 in the corner right there. Right. Man, I totally agree. And I, I think that's that's what's going to be fun about you guys is obviously, you know, you, you've got the run down. What horse are you going to go on? Uh, I'm going to ride my bay. I, I honestly, I I love that bay. I've rode him, you know, I've had him two years now, and I've get, I've got along with him. I've, can, I've rode him everywhere from Odessa to shine like I just ride him anywhere I go and I've loved him he's been awesome for me but I did not get along good with him for like two weeks there practicing on him I think our steers were just a little bit slower than like what they're going to be out there and when I was taking that downtown start I was covering them up every time I could not get away from it it was just a weird feel then I went to uh, Coleman Proctor had an invitational uh, NFR jackpot this weekend and his steers were strong and big like and I just started to figure it out at Ryan's on the bay. Like, when I would get out, I'd be covering them about half the time. So I'd learn to bring it down under the horns and just kind of lay it on them as I come out of the chute. And when I got up there at first round, I whacked one in the back of the head. And I realized that, like, when they're actually 
when it's game time and those steers are like that, they're still in front of you no matter how fast your horse is. They're still in front of you. So I got a lot more confidence in my bay horse there. Like it wasn't so much of me blowing to them and just getting on them too fast. Right. I was still roping the steer in front of me and pushing up ahead of them. And uh, I'm probably going to ride him now. I was going to ride the paint. I didn't tell anybody that. I kept telling everybody I was going to ride the bay, but I was about to ride the paint. They were going to be slow like that. But I don't know. For the first few rounds, I'm going to ride the bay. If stuff gets bad, I'll probably jump on the paint. He's just so forgiving, man. You can ride him whenever you need him. I think that's the best part about it is set up. And, and yeah. it's such a – that's what's weird about that week. Because yeah. it can go bad early. Mm-hmm. It'll still be a great week. Yeah, you can miss the first four steers, and if you place in the next six rounds, you're going to win close to 100000 Yep. And that is good in, I'd say, anybody's books, that's good. Yes, sir. And uh, even, I mean, you've had, I've seen guys that have had terrible weeks, and yep. they still knock the right couple down, and it's, it's all good. Right. If, if you catch you catch three steers, if you win the round on those trees, man, you got, what is it, like 26000 a night? So, I mean, you're jumping in the upper 80000s. Yeah. Right there. Oh, man, I'm excited. For the lowers, you know. Close to 79, something like that. Man, I appreciate you doing the podcast. Oh, you we got, bet. Uh, we got some videos. Uh, we're going to be doing some more filming. I'm, after yeah. the finals, I'm going to get you on the horn. So okay. Yeah, I'll, I'll, we'll get your shoulder listed up. We'll yeah, I'll take a few Advil before, before we get after it. <laughs> <laughs> Might have to duck down to like a radar four, make it easier. Kid rope. Yeah, we'll get you something. Like XR fours and wear my arm out. Oh, yeah. It's a real rope. It's all there. She's yeah. there. Yeah, that's awesome. But no, I appreciate it, and it's oh, been you awesome bet. to watch you no. head the last few years. But this year yeah, has thank been you. awesome. Thank you. Yeah. So, thank you. I appreciate it.